Violence in schools making teaching impossible, the growing concern in American classrooms, and teachers leaving the profession because of it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. We'll also be talking about school board race election results, what it means for a group like Moms for Liberty, mama bears who are putting their kids' education first and standing up for parents in the process. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us. We have a lot coming up today. But before we get to it, a little bit of an introduction we're starting this show off with as we get this thing off the ground. The goals of this show, who doesn't love a good goal list, right? Well, we have one for Educate, too. We are diving deep into the central issues of education, providing criticism and positive solutions to these problems, and pulling back the curtain on what's really happening in our classrooms, with a special focus on the K-12 through classroom. We're lucky enough to have many education experts on the show to break down big stories and offer up an action plan for all of us. As for me, my name is Liz Collin, and I am joining you from the Minneapolis, Minnesota area as a 20-year reporter and anchor who left the mainstream media to be able to tell the truth. I'm an author, producer, a wife, most importantly, I think for this show, a mom, as I try to navigate the education world for my own son, it seems, each and every day. I should give a plug to uh, something new that, that's come out that I've produced, a documentary on Rumble. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis. So look that up if you can, about all the lies told in the wake of the George Floyd incident here in my backyard of Minneapolis. So that's uh, the shameless promotion to start the show off. Uh, but today we are talking more about school violence, uh, something that comes up quite a bit in the news here in the, the Twin Cities, in the Minnesota area, and across the country as well. Scary and startling uh, what we are seeing play out in these schools all across the country. And I'm going to start with a bit of a, a recap from the Daily Progress, the education section documenting what happened in a school in Virginia. It talks about how uh, these, these students were basically fighting in, in the, the hallways each and every day, so much so that teachers were afraid for their own safety, and they went ahead and uh, just stopped showing up to, to teach. Uh, the, it goes on to read, students roaming the hallways during class, brawls in the commons areas, intruders let onto school Premises, teachers afraid for their own safety, administrators unwilling or unable to discipline. Things are not okay at Charlottesville High School. So on Friday, classes were abruptly canceled when teachers did not show up to work. The decision by so many school employees to call out appears to have been prompted by a series of wild student brawls that occurred the day before. So Dr. Joe Wolverton is my guest to help break this all down, a longtime educator who for the past 20 years has shared our principles of liberty with young people, helping them to use their knowledge in becoming friends of freedom and defenders of the Constitution. So Dr. Wolverton, thank you so much for joining me again on the show. Thank you, Liz. I love being with you. It's a pleasure. I know, um, you know, after seeing this story, you were able to look at it out of Virginia, too. You have teachers not showing up to teach after brawls in, in schools. I mean, does this even uh, su- surprise you at this point? It was actually pretty, pretty heartbreaking, I think, to, to read this story. No, it doesn't surprise me, Liz. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to realize these public schools, they they have no incentive to provide a good product because they know they are going to get money thrown at them from the federal government regardless. And so teachers have, they're essentially government employees in, in you know, all but name, and they have no accountability to parents. 
Parents don't know the teachers at all. And kids, like you know as a mother, kids are, and I know as a former kid, kids are savvy enough to play both ends against the middle. And I think that this is what you have. You have a situation where the kids learn very early on that there's really nothing their parents can do. There's really nothing the teachers can do. And at the end of the day, uh, they can shut down the schools if they decide if they decide to let the lowest common denominator rule. And so you see it all across the country. You see, I you know, you see it all the time, Liz. It's I don't see how you can take that kind of conglomeration of kids and expect there not to be a toxic, violent climate. It's it's odd that there would be an expectation otherwise when you have parents who my parents and every parent I ever knew and all my friends' parents always had a rule about who you could and could not hang out with, who could and could not come over to the house because I don't want you hanging around that kid because that kid's bad news. But I'll drop you off in the morning and make you spend nine hours with that kid for the next 12 years. It's just, it's odd, you know, and so... It just so happens that we're at a point now that it's gone on so long that school has been like this, that it's going it, it's spreading from the places that maybe you would expect it to happen straight through to the places maybe you thought were safe from it happening. And we're talking about uh, this, this country, but I want to just um, switch gears and, and go to Canada happening happening there, too. I want you to listen Joe, to this teacher and then uh, a teacher union representative uh, speak to school violence in Canada. This is from a global news broadcast just last month. Listen. We've heard about uh, broken bones. We've heard about black eyes and and bloody noses that have uh, been a result of this violence. These are just a few of the injuries teachers unions say are being reported in schools across Canada. The trend is is definitely growing. From verbal threats to physical attacks, some are even leaving teachers with lasting injuries. Yukon Association of Education Professionals President Ted Yupay says he knows some teachers who suffered severe concussions and even damage to their eyes. It's something that the general public doesn't see or realize that, you know, when you have a violent student from, you know, 10 years and up, um, some children can be a lot bigger than their teachers. And uh, if they lose their temper, that's the teacher that's on the front line. So, Joe, the interview talks about broken noses, broken bones uh, of teachers, kids uh, being basically the same size as teachers in some cases at the age of just uh, 10 years old. And again, this is uh, Canada, teachers fearing for their their safety. So you hear about these teachers demanding uh, changes. They want faster investigations. Schools want more money, you know, more counselors, support services, and, and things of that nature. Do you see this as a, as a budget issue? Do we throw money at this problem? No, I think that throwing money at this issue does nothing but incentivizes what's going on because then you'll have this notion that teaching is just a job. And you and a well-paying job with a swell calendar, and you don't want that. You need teachers that are, you know, like that are stricter, that are, but are also at the same time more understanding, and that uh, they recognize that this is the sort of thing they're getting into. 
You know, I, I wouldn't expect somebody who's, you know, five, four and 115 pounds to be a bouncer at a right. at a nightclub. Right. And right. so I think that you need to recognize that this is what it is there. The, you could throw a billion dollars at every school and it would not change the climate, the toxic environment there. Uh, and money is not the issue. The issue is a deeper one of the family. It is a deeper issue of commitment to education. Two things that we've seen systematically attacked and nearly destroyed in in the West, period. So when we come back, I want to talk uh, more about solutions, what parents can do, because I think, sadly, a lot of these kids then become desensitized uh, to seeing this violence that play out in, in schools. I know many kids who don't even you know, talk to their parents about, you know, seeing some of these things, and then they end up seeing it on, on the news after their, their child uh, doesn't even tell them about it because it's not even registering. But we're going to have more with uh, Dr. Joel Wolverton when we come back. And I'm Liz Collin. You're listening to Educate, brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com slash educate. Leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, sexually explicit books, accessible to minors, and more, our public education system is a complete mess. That's why you should consider Freedom Project Academy. They have perfected online learning, offering live, on-demand, and homeschool courses for K-12. through Freedom Project Academy was built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum. Visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, school.com, to request your free information packet. We can't afford to hand over another generation to the left, so take back your child's education. Once again, visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, school.com. Hey, America. How tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, The New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. Welcome back. We are talking to Dr. Joe Wolverton, the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar here on Educate. I'm Liz Collin. He's also a longtime educator and author and hosts the YouTube channel Teacher of Liberty. I should mention your TikTok TikTok channel. You are where all the kids are, Joe. Uh, that's Joe Wolverton JD. So you can look him up there. But the focus, uh, we are talking about a serious topic here when it comes to school violence. And we were going to Focus on uh, solutions because uh, it does seem to be su- such a mess. But what is your what is your best advice uh, for parents uh, to try to push back uh, against this? I think the best advice, the best solution to all of this is to 
defund the schools and fund the parents or the students, as it were, rather than having this massive millions of dollars thrown at a school who's underperforming. Take that money, however it's divided up per student, every state has it divided, you know, there's for example, I taught in Arizona and it was roughly $8,000 per student. So rather than taking that money and throwing it at a school district who has very little incentive to produce a very uh, a, a popular product, uh, throw it at the parents and say, here you go. Here's the money we, we took from you in the first place in many cases. And here's the money. You can use this money for your students and you can decide where they go to school you can use it for private tutors. You can use it for private schools. You can use it for any homeschooling equipment, whatever. And this way you create, Liz, an actual education free market, which is something that should be so commonsensical, but it isn't. I mean, you think of the think of the idea, Liz, if someone said to you, you let's say in your neighborhood you have like i do you have about four or five different grocery stores but the government tells you because of the street you live on you have to go to kroger instead of safeway for example right and and you have to go well what incentive will kroger have to lower prices or to provide a greater variety of goods they won't that incentive will decrease However, if they tell you here, here's your money for food and you can spend it wherever you want to, well, then Kroger has to compete with Safeway, has to compete with the other store. I, I don't know what y'all have in, in Minnesota, but they have to compete. These grocery stores have to compete as they do now. Right. Let's take that model and use it for education. Here's the money you have to educate your ch your children choose where you spend it that makes schools and teachers and tutors and all of these elements of education it makes them compete which increases their incentive to provide a really good product whereas now there is no incentive whatsoever right that's some some great insight uh, Breitbart featured uh, kind of this rant, uh, but I still thought it was interesting from from Bill Maher, um, what, what he said. Only 33% of U.S. children can read at a level of proficiency if you're attending an American high school now. So that's about one third. So I'm not surprised that homeschooling in America's is America's fastest growing form of education. I know something we've talked about here before, Joe, and not just with weirdo Christian families who make their daughters wear a bonnet. To millions of parents, anything is better now than public education, and that includes Catholic school. In 1970, only 2.7% of the kids who went to Catholic school were not Catholic. Now it's 22%. Catholic school 8th graders are two full grade levels above public school kids because their school isn't a safe space for... Well, we'll just say messing around. Uh, Bill Maher used some choice language. Uh, they're told, no, you can't be on your phone here and your pronouns are shut up and sit down. Uh, so <laughs> that was a, kind of an interesting uh, take on things. But, but you know, you talk about that. It's the expectations and almost the respect that needs to be worked on uh, most coming from coming from the home, Joe. Yes. I mean, it has to be built at home. It has to be built upon, you know, the smallest government is the family, Liz. And we can if we can show that government in the family can function, then we can we can have kids raised on the idea that gov larger government can function. And as long as it's built on correct principles, 
uh, you know, you, he talks about this stuff and it's true Liz. I, I went on a, a book tour recently and one of the organizers asked if I would mind if I would have one of the young people in the crowd do my introduction every night. And so we would choose one. And uh, Liz, we had none of the public school kids could read the bio and make it sound uh, intelligible. We had two homeschool kids and they read it like, you know, like they wrote it. And you could see, I mean, I know that's anecdotal, but the facts were that people in that audience would squirm when a child couldn't pronounce the word attorney. And yet you had these homeschool kids that didn't, they didn't stumble over a single syllable in that bio. And I, and as my own, again, anecdotal, although personal experience, I've taught at public school for six years, and I've seen the administration ask a teacher, hey, will you teach economics? Well, I don't know anything about economics. I'm an art teacher. Yeah, but as long as you stay one step ahead of the kids, that's all that matters. And then what do they do? They show videos from YouTube, and they print off worksheets off the internet, and that counts as teaching. Well, kids can realize, kids can sense whether or not their teacher has confidence and passion about a subject, whether that teacher is knowledgeable. So I think one of the things that we would have to do is make sure that we're getting teachers who aren't trained to be classroom managers, but history teachers that are historians, right? Economics teachers that are economists. And we can do that, but we can't do that unless parents are given more control over who is hired to teach their children. And as it stands right now, they have zero control. They have absolutely no control in public and most charter schools and many private schools over who is hired. They simply have to accept the decision of some you know, school board or some other sort of supervisory board and that's it. And then you have to tell your kids, well, obey that person, do what that person tells you. And you don't know that person. So I think by funding the students rather than funding the schools, we can return to that place because that's how it was, Liz. Until the late 1800s, parents were in charge of who taught their kids because parents hired the, the teachers. And so we can return that to where these teachers know that they have accountability. Guess what? If you don't show up for work for a week, you're not getting paid because that's the way the world is. And have it where you can't come in here and, you know, teach my children, you know, to be traitors, even though even before they know what treason is. Teach my children to be perverse before they, you know, that that perversity is science before they even know what science is. You can't do that because you're accountable to me as a parent. If we can return to that, that we'll have a chance at reversing all of this and really restoring the educational excellence in this country. Yeah, that's that's some great insight and some great uh, historical insight as well. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Joe Wolverton, for joining us uh, again. We'll we'll stay tuned for your work on uh, YouTube and and the TikToks uh, with, with the kids. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Appreciate it very much. Again, you're listening to Educate with Liz Collin. This show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. We will have a conversation with a representative from Moms for Liberty 
coming up next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Educate. We've been having a conversation about school violence, and I think this fits a bit into the conversation uh, in all of this, uh, a group that's fighting back uh, against a lot of what we're seeing um, in in our schools across the country. But we want to start with uh, a happy note, a group that was recently honored at the Fox Nation Patriot Awards and also coming off an incredible uh, three years, starting 300 chapters in 48 states, working to unify, educate, and empower parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. So I have Tina Deskovich, a co-founder of Moms for Liberty, uh, on to talk more about uh, this award, what's next for the group, and and all the work that they've done already. But Tina, congratulations, first of all, on the award, uh, the national recognition, much deserved, and, and thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the award uh, was a pretty big deal for our moms. They've been under a lot of attack, a lot of pressure. Uh, It seems to be endless these days. And so it was a moment for Tiffany and I, my co-founder, to accept that award on behalf of all 130,000 moms and some dads across the country. And uh, they were just thrilled to celebrate that night. Yeah, it's uh, I know it's been a long time coming and you guys have been been put through the paces, no, no doubt about that. I wanted to um, to start because we've been talking on this show about uh, school board race results uh, across the country. There were there were several, but I know you guys have put together a bit of a, a press release on on how uh, your candidates did after kind of wading in into um, all of this and endorsing candidates. But give us give us a rundown, Tina, what those results um, kind of tell us uh, across the country. Yeah, as you mentioned in your intro, we're, we aren't even three years old. And last year, on our second year, was the first year we started endorsing candidates in school board races. And our chapters are the ones that do the endorsing. Uh, we've given them some tools and resources, kind of um, done some training, taught them how to hold a forum with the candidates and given them a candidate screener that they can send to their candidates to help evaluate. But they're kind of on their own. Uh, they're not political. Uh, they're not politically savvy for the most part. They pick candidates that are aligned with their principles and values, which is a great thing to do. They don't they don't know enough really to look at races and see who's going to win and, and you know do polling they don't have the money for that and so it's really quite remarkable what they've been able to do over the last two years um, as a side note school board races are year-round uh, the state of new york for example has them in may of uh, every year the state of ohio only has them on odd years so school board races are kind of anomaly when it comes to elections and with all that being said over the last uh, two years moms for liberty has endorsed uh, 365 candidates that are currently sitting on school board seats. So we we are thrilled with that. And the more the more remarkable number from that is all of the candidates that we have endorsed. Um, 83% of them are first time candidates. So these are people that have never been involved in politics and are kind of dipping their toe in the water and getting experience. So we're really excited for them. And talk about the the quality of candidate too. I think that's um, been pretty pretty remarkable. A lot of people um, from all different walks of life, all political backgrounds, uh, et cetera. Are you finding that that really just the the quality of candidate is quite amazing? People that people that are are now signing up to do this. 
Yeah, we are. We're proud of the candidates our chapters endorse. Uh, we think, you know, when you look at stats, a lot of times people lose their first elections, and then uh, they they learn a lot. I've run for school board twice myself, and served here in Florida. And Tiffany, my co-founder, has also run and served. And you just learn a lot when you run. I lost my second, my re-election, and you learn a lot even when you lose a race that you can take into future endeavors. So the quality of candidates, these are just ordinary people stepping up, wanting to get involved uh, and do their, their civic duty, uh, serve in their communities, and uh, we're just really proud of them. And I wanted to talk about your background um, because I think it is amazing all the two of you have have been able to accomplish. But but you said it just uh, former school board members. And and why did you want to uh, to do this? So we served on school boards here in Florida 2016 to 2020. We didn't know each other. We were on separate school boards. But as 2020 happened, um, you know, we like to say when we served, we saw behind the education curtain. Uh, when 2020 happened and everything that happened with COVID and schools being closed, all of America saw behind the education curtain. And we saw parents all across the country, everyone did, uh, trying to advocate for their children, showing up at school board meetings, getting booed and shouted down, uh, school board members turning their mics off, school board meeting doors being locked, Zoom links being lost for, for digital meetings instead of being sent out to the public, public comment time going from three minutes to one minute just about everywhere or being moved to the end of a 12 12-hour meeting. So if a parent wanted to speak, we had to wait and sit through 12 hours first. And so, you know, we started Moms for Liberty to help parents advocate because we noticed that they just did not know how to be effective. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, speaking of that, we, we covered a lot of stories uh, here here in Minnesota about that very thing or just um, having public comment, but not having it, it broadcast really uh, just trying to kind of close those doors uh, to parents. And and I know that your group was able to mobilize uh, pretty, pretty quickly as far as, um, you know, crop popping up uh, all over the, the, the country. It wasn't just uh, the, the two of you thinking that, you know, you're crazy for thinking that this is crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, we thought when we were discussing this in December of 2020, we thought we would just be in Florida. That's the policies, the laws we knew and understood. It's where we had connections. we knew that we could have two chapters, at least in our home counties. And when we launched in January of 21, we started with those two chapters. But I had called in uh, during open line Wednesday or Friday or whatever it is on the Rush Limbaugh show and uh, like auto dialed a hundred and something times and got through. And so I announced what we were doing. And uh, the following week, I did the same thing with the Glenn Beck show and uh, you know, from there, <laughs> the rest is history, as they yeah, say. Wow. Yeah, the rest is history. Now we are, you know, not even three years old with 300 chapters, 48 states. And like I said, 130,000 people. So people we had literally at some points there in early 2021, we had hundreds of applicants that we were trying to screen. And it was just there was about five of us all volunteering, trying to screen these people, trying to put systems in place, creating spreadsheets. It was it was quite, quite remarkable. Oh, that, that that is wild. And and talk um too. I know you have some some goals moving moving forward. We're going to get to the um the Patriot Award here um in, in our next segment. But but you're, there's a couple states you're you're still uh looking looking to fill, right? Ah, yeah, forty eight states is amazing, but it's not fifty. So <laughs> we are on the search for someone in Vermont and in Utah. I don't, I'm not sure what the holdout is in those two states, uh, but if anybody is listening that is in either one of those states, we would we would love for you to go to our website, momsforliberty.org, click on the map, click on your county, and click to start a chapter. 
And I know that, um, you know, you guys able, are able to, to give some resources and guidance to, to get people started. Um, so this isn't like you, you are taking this on completely by yourself. There is a model here that, that people can follow. Yes, we have, we, you know, as we grow too, we provide so many more resources and tools. Uh, we absolutely walk you through everything. We have monthly meetings for all leaders around the country via Zoom, where we do training. We do state visits where we bring the leaders together and train them. We're holding candidate trainings. Uh, we put together a candidate toolkit uh, for school board candidates, which you know, I ran for school board in 2016 and there was nothing. You could Google how to run for school board. There's nothing out there. There's no money in it. So people have not provided, you know, campaign consultants. They don't focus on school board races. They focus where they can make money. And so we've created these toolkits, everything you could need to, to really be effective in your community for putting public education back in the right direction, helping to save our country. Uh, we can We can help you do all of those things. And you don't have to be a, a mom either. You have uh, pe- people that uh, are not moms, uh, men, uh, women, uh, grandparents even I see that are involved. Yeah, we have men that are even running chapters. We have a few dads that are chapter chairs. So we, ab- I mean, they are brave too, because we, when we all get together, <laughs> 300 chapter chairs, you know, there's like four or five men in there. And we're always like, hi, ladies and gentlemen, but they get, they get a lot of credit for being bold and brave and understanding this movement and being part of it. Uh, but as far as membership goes, yeah, uh, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you don't have to have kids. You have to just care about what's happening to this country. And uh, as I said, being able to receive some national recognition had to feel nice, especially uh, after I know all uh, all your group ha- has been through. The media, as I said, puts you guys uh, through through the paces. So we're going to talk about that when, when we come back. Uh, again, we are talking with one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, Tina Deskovich. And this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. More on Moms for Liberty up next. The New American Magazine powers The Educate Show, featuring in-depth articles and news analysis, culture, and politics. The New American can arrive on your doorstep bi-weekly in a beautifully published physical copy or digitally on their new mobile app. Bring yourself up to speed with intelligent coverage from a constitutional perspective. Now for a limited time, visit thenewamerican.com educate25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com educate25. If Americans want to remain a free and sovereign nation, more people need to understand the principles and values that built America. At the John Birch Society, we have the organization, the plan, and the resources to do just that. Our founder, Robert Welch, said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to jbs.org to learn more, including how you can get involved to work locally and impact nationally. Join us at jbs.org. Welcome back. We are talking with Tina Deskovich, uh, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Really a remarkable story, starting up 300 chapters in 48 states now. They're looking for a couple states to, to join uh, quite yet. But I, I wanted to get to some, some good news here. Uh, the fifth annual Fox Nation Patriot Awards held recently at the Grand Old Opry in Nashville. Your group accepted the Most Valuable Patriot Award. Let's listen. At Moms for Liberty, we're going to fight like hell with a smile on our face because our children are watching us. And it is a privilege to fight for this country. 
those ladies. Please welcome this year's MVP's most valuable patriots, the founders of Moms to Liberty, Tina Deskovich and Tiffany Justice. What was that experience like like for you? Um, you got you guys were up there, and it seemed a, a bit emotional for that recognition, but that had to be uh, amazing. Yeah, it really was. You know, I, I briefly referenced in the earlier segment just what not just what we've been through at uh, you know Tiffany and I and Marie, our other executive board member, but our national team and then our chapters in their communities, what they have gone through. You know, it's it's quite astonishing. We have been attacked by the DOJ, the FBI, the Biden administration, National School Board Association, the top teachers unions in the country, the Southern Poverty Law Center declared us an anti-government extremist group, not to mention the hundreds of media outlets that daily write hit pieces and stories and, and the hate mail we get and the threats, the death threats, the, all of that is just, it, it, you know, it gets exhausting at times. And so, that night uh, last week to be handed that award, uh, all of our moms were watching across the country uh, and, you know, many, many tears were shed, just kind of a release of, oh my goodness, okay, we are, we're moving the needle, we are, we're standing, people are, un there are people out there that see the good we're doing, because, we, you know, when you look in our email inboxes, there isn't a whole lot of, hey, thanks for all the great things you're doing, it's usually just the negatives, just like when you, you know, if you ever worked at customer service, it's always the complainers that come forward, uh, not the complimenters, so it was, it was really, um, really important to our organization. And I know you made it clear that you were accepting it uh, for 130,000 people um, out there. So just, uh, uh, you know, taking uh, taking time to, to recognize uh, all they're doing, too, because you, you've you've said it, you know, the media is sort of spinning the story this one way. So people do have to be uh, brave and courageous a bit um, to, to be a be a part of things. But it's 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 amazing how it's really like opposite day as you're as you're watching it, what they, you know, paint you guys out to, to be doing and, and, and what, what the reality is. But opposite day. I love that. You know, and it's not just the media and the government that's after our moms. You know, they uh, the left has started lawfare against them. And so yeah. they are getting bogus complaints filed against them. They're having to get attorneys. Uh, they're, they're just they're being they're really being dragged through the mud. Uh, their reputations are being it, and, and it's all not true. It's all false claims. Every single one of these cases has been dropped or thrown out. Uh, but, you know, all of that just it just weighs on you. And some people believe the stuff that's being said, even though it's not proven. Yeah. And in June, I actually uh, interviewed uh, a Moms for Liberty uh, chapter chair, the very first in, in Minnesota. Angie Craig is her name. She was from the Wright County area and that was after the this southern poverty law center re report came out um you know talking about the the hate group label or or, or whatnot um but it, but it does uh, must be frustrating because it's almost like you have to put resources and time into to fighting back against some of this when there are so many <laughs> bigger things to be um to be tackling rather than uh, fighting back against lies yeah, we keep our we just keep marching forward uh, and we will continue to march forward. You know, all of it is heavy and exhausting. But, you know, when your kids are the target and that's what you're protecting as a mom or a dad, uh, none of that matters. You can just let it roll and keep going. 
And talk a little bit about that, what you do uh, hear and see, because I know your chapter your chapter chairs field a lot of this. Hey, this is happening in my son's classroom, or there was this in uh, my daughter's curriculum, um, you know, because because some people will think, oh, you know, you're just a conspiracy theorist. This isn't happening. But but it really uh, is. Maybe if you can share a, a, f- a few of, of those examples. Yeah, I mean, how in the world would we grow like this unless moms and dads were opening backpacks, unless they were sitting at the dining room table when schools were closed and the lessons were being streamed in and they had real concerns. Nobody wants to give up your Tuesday night to go sit at a school board meeting for six hours. Nobody wants to go speak to the press about some of these horrifying and embarrassing books and lessons. Um, They have to do it to protect their children. And there's just examples all across the country, um, you know, but some of the things that are the most concerning are the policies and the procedural guides that have been put into place to exclude parents from very serious decisions being made about their children. Uh, that was happening here in Florida. It has been stopped now, thanks to our legislators and our governor here in Florida uh, with laws that have been passed and in big part to Moms for Liberty for championing, you know, and being up there and speaking in committee hearings and supporting them and getting them across the finish line. Uh, but, you know, there were policies and procedural guys put into place. For example, uh, January Little John, she's a woman in, in the Leon County, Tallahassee area. Her 13 year old daughter went in and met with adults, the vice principal and the school counselor, and signed documentation that changed in school her name they would use, her pronoun, which bathroom she was going to use, um, where she was going to sleep in overnight field trips. And in these in the documentation, it also says, Basically, we're going to deceive and lie to your parents. You're, with your parents, we're going to use your birth name and your birth pronoun. Um, they never have to know anything that's going on in these in this. And you know that wasn't just happening here. It is happening. It wasn't just happening here in Florida. It is happening all across the country in school districts, in red counties, and in blue counties, in red states and blue states. And so parents need to be very aware of that. Not to mention. Uh, the very inappropriate books that are being found all the way down into elementary school, which in many cases aren't even appropriate for high school. Uh, We've been labeled all kinds of things for speaking out against those books. So there are real things, bad things going on in schools, not everywhere, not every classroom. There's great teachers and good schools, but parents need to be very aware. Again, you're listening to one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, Tina Deskovich, who is kind enough to join me for this extended conversation um, and let's say, you know, you're not ready to, to join a Moms for Liberty group. You're not ready to run for, for the school board quite yet. What is the you know the best way? I know you've offered up some advice before that can be simple uh, for parents to, to get involved and really to just be aware of what's going on. Yeah, check those backpacks, check those lessons plans. Uh, you know, most schools, many schools now give you access to things online. Parents don't even look at it. Go look, review. School districts, especially here in Florida, by law, uh, have book review committees that uh, they open book all the books, the textbooks up to the public. Take part. Show up at your school board meeting, even if it's just by yourself quietly in the corner. Pay attention to what's going on. Go online, look for the school board agenda, see what they are up to. If you have questions, reach out to your local Moms for Liberty chapter, even if you don't want to be a member, they can help guide you and walk you through and and teach you some of the that lingo that goes on in the education world that isn't always easy for the ordinary person to understand. Build a relationship with your child's teacher, your child's principal, so when you do have concerns, you can go to them and it's not adversarial uh, right out the gate. Get to know your school board members. Make sure you vote. And you were um, able to say during your acceptance speech, in a way, at the Fox uh, Patriot Awards, that our country is at risk. This is the line in the sand. Moms for Liberty and moms across the country have drawn that line because we do not co-parent with the government. But just closing thoughts on what's at stake here. 
I think uh, our country is at stake, and that's not hyperbole. Uh, once government entities, including public schools, make policies, uh, once states make laws and federal government puts things in place that divide families, that take away the authority of the parent to direct the upbringing of the child, whether that be uh, education, medical care, moral, religious upbringing, once that's happened, uh, your family unit is, is broken. And once family units have been broken apart to that extent, uh, the basic unit of society, which is the family unit, has now been broken apart. And so 100% our country is at risk if we don't uh, stand up against these laws, policies, and, and keep an eye on what's going on in our government. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all the work you do. I know we we appreciate it very much here in Minnesota. You guys have some great chapters here that we do a lot of work with. Um, and I know you guys are doing uh, big things in Florida and, and all across the country. But again, uh, Tina Deskovich, a co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Thank you so much for all your time. I appreciate the opportunity to speak about what I am very passionate about. So uh, thank you so much. Again, Tina Deskovich, a co-founder of Moms for Liberty. This has been Liz Collin with Educate and a reminder that this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. And for more on the show, check out thenewamerican.com slash educate. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much of in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? Is it even relevant? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. 